But isn't the boiler calling a bargain? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, no matter how good Declan Rice goes on to be for Arsenal, he's never going to be a bargain at 105 million. He could be the best player in the world. And it's, 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 they've just bought him. It's like me spending 10 grand on a TV and then calling it a bargain because it turns on every time I, I use it. <laughs> Doing exactly what, what I pay for. What do you want to bet against us? Against us? That morning sky gave me So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. Go back and watch the celebrations for John McGinn's goal. Villa had just cut Arsenal to shreds. Tight pass and tight control, taking men on. A midfielder swiveling in the box and lifting it into the net on the turn. They would have had every right to be smiling at what had just happened. John McGinn wasn't smiling. <laughs> John McGinn. John McGinn ran away, wheeling his finger in there as if to imply, we're going again. Kamara and Telemans arrive on the scene. They're not smiling. They're pumped up, all right. Their fists are clenched. They're basically saying, that's what we do around here. Douglas Louise comes. Douglas Louise pats on the back. Well done. Let's do it again. Watkins pushes Kamara. Leon Bailey completely... <laughs> Leon Bailey completely stony-faced. Look at Dean looking angry. Kanza fixing his boots. Diego Carlos there ushering people back to restart. Every one of them, every one of them menacing, hungry, and ready to go back to work. This wasn't even seven minutes into the game. Seven minutes into ripping another big team apart. Seven minutes into a 15th home league game in a row. A record, an all-time record for the club. And all these boys wanted to do was go back into the trenches and fight again. <laughs> I was getting worried there as you, after you said fight. I thought you were going to drift into yet another Rocky analogy. <laughs> well, I, was at a, I was at a birthday party last night and, you know, a lot of people there who I hadn't seen in a while. And naturally enough, they ask you, how are you? Not the best conversation starter, but, you know, it's, it's a starter. And I'm not a weirdo, Conan. Like, I, I can have a conversation. I... I'm pretty good at knowing what other people need. I can read social cues. I'm generous with topics. I I know something about most things. But at no stage of the night did I think, this person doesn't care about Aston Villa. <laughs> I, I, I interpreted their how are you as how is the collective Aston Villa family getting on. And mm. the amount of people that now know, well, who have now heard, that Aston Villa we're in the relegation zone on goals scored in November last year. That we signed a faster left back. That we that we then turned into the third best team in the country because of that. And I got worse as the night went on, and as the fucking people became less and less familiar to me, I didn't care who it was. A French fiddle player who moved to Ireland twelve years ago because she loved trad music. I didn't give a fucking flying fuck about that, Conan. And I'd say she didn't give a flying fuck about Aston Villa, but she was hearing about it anyway. And <laughs> yeah, like. Oh, it was what what a what an incredible performance on an incredible day. Even just for tell people about the fact that there were three different sports happening last night, being broadcast live from Villa Park. Kai Havertz playing basketball, Jared Gillett ref in a game of rollerball. It's absolutely incredible. <laughs> Jared Gillett once again vindicating me for saying what a hero Jared Gillett is. <laughs> I said we need to get this man in from Australia years ago when he was at the other side of the world, and here we are. We have reaped. The rewards, Liam, you might have slagged me, we might have had some bumps along the way, but I knew one day John Gillett <laughs> would come good. But 
like you're speaking my language because this is what comes with the territory now of being this good it's attention and we all know the more attention you receive in any walk of life the more you realize how many idiots there are in the world so people people will have their say on your team and a lot of the time it's going to be inaccurate people who had consigned your team to a bottom half side and, and said you know they said of course people like Grealish had to move on because you know why would he stay with these losers? They will now rewrite their own history. They'll 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 pump up all those same players, and they'll even justify their own ignorance. Like all this time, by they'll they'll be saying stuff like, "What was Gerard doing with this team?" You know, like they, they, as if they, like how how could we have known Gerard was really? It, it turns out Gerard was really bad, but this is the thing because it's twofold annoying now because it's dismissing the magic that Emery is weaving and do not underestimate that for a second but it's also ignoring the, the groundswell feeling over what 13 months ago now that Villa fans were delusional that, that it wouldn't get any better than Gerard. but I've made my peace with this because <laughs> <laughs> because look if having to listen to that nonsense is a trade off for watching an Aston Villa team this good I will sign that contract happily if, if having to put up with all that rubbish is the price they pay for for the feeling in my stomach now, the feeling you have in your stomach walking around on a night out with French flute players, you know, like this is for, for bringing the, the the real Villa community tighter together and for allowing us all to completely buzz off everything that's happening in the club. And we, we can do that in our inner circle still, knowing that because we know that everything we've been through, like we know it was tough and we know that nobody really understood and nobody respected us. Like I will bite your hand off for that deal right now. Let everybody else talk all the rubbish they want because the trade-off is so worth it. Yeah, you're talking about talking rubbish as well, but there's some people who are being paid to talk about the sport last night. For example, I know Peter Drury is your hero, Conan, but let's mm. get real. Peter's reputation is built on the foundation of the fact that the only thing that excited Martin Tyler in the last five years was Pep Guardiola turning a 60 million player into a competent footballer. Like, <laughs> because Martin Tyler had gotten so shit, people thought Peter Drury was the fucking messiah. Peter Drury started last night by saying, Aston Villa did Arsenal a big favour on Wednesday. And, mm. and it got worse. He said, they're looking to take that favour back tonight against Arsenal. Why is Peter Drury commentating at the start of an Aston Villa-Arsenal game as if this is a fucking... Man City, why are Man City involved in this commentary at all? Aston Villa are currently between Man City and Arsenal. What is he talking about doing one, doing the other team a favor for? Peter Drury is a fucking moron. Peter, like, and I know you, I know, I do know that you love him, but you have to listen to the things that he, the things that he says. Like the guy, he'll say, end up saying something like he's such a surreptitious footballer. Peter, I don't think you know what that means. Have you looked that word up in the dictionary? Please do, pal. It doesn't make any sense. But the really, the really, really frustrating thing for me in trying to explain how good Aston Villa are, the really annoying thing is that this Aston Villa team are way better, way better than the Leicester team of 2016. We're probably not going to win the title. It's probably just out of reach. But Jesus Christ, is this team capable of achieving way more than we could ever have imagined just because we got Unai Emery in. These players have completely turned their careers around as well just by listening to this genius that we've now, gone, yeah. now gotten the touchline. It's incredible. This is it. It's not just a well-coached team. It's not just a brilliant system. It's it's every player being upgraded on like, within themselves. Every one of them are improving. Every one of them are learning. It's And every one of them are, are now able to play in different roles and things like that. And like that doesn't just... 
that's not just technical side of coaching that that takes so much to do that as well then like in terms of man management and in terms of working with all other aspects of these players they, they've been ridiculously upgraded and Emery is right to keep pointing out because this could be lost on people as well every time he's asked about the top four every time he's asked about the title he keeps saying there are seven teams who are ahead of us coming into the season for the top seven mm-hmm. and you know, we're trying to we're trying to get in there like that, that, like people just because United are a shambles at the minute under ten high, just because Chelsea are doing whatever they're doing, just because Spurs have fallen off a little bit, Newcastle are a bit tired. These teams are ahead of Villa, further down the line in their progression. But Emery is dragging Villa right to the front of that race, and it's 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 mad. And it was it was a great quote from him. We'll talk more about some of these quotes in quote of the week later on. But when he was he said, if if we get to game thirty two. And we're still in this position. Then, then I can start chatting to you about maybe going for the title. But we're, we're we're halfway off that. This is game week sixteen now, and all we can do is keep doing what we're doing. And like that's honestly like that that celebration from the goal. Like the players get that now. They 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 do have so much humility through this. I think they know they're good, which is amazing, and it's actually very important. But they do get we're we're like we're not going to keep this up unless we show every single game and every single play the total respect that we need to show it which is it is a lethal combination in fairness absolutely I, I was actually speaking to a man United fan last night and I got to the stage where I was feeling sorry for him because he, st- he started going on about needing to red out the players needing to get rid of the players <laughs> and the bad attitude it's like how many cycles of players are Man United going to have to get rid of how many bad apples do you fucking have sounds like the fucking cart is rotten at this stage the apples have infected it so much but like, I, I wasn't I wasn't being a prick to him even though it could have been so easy for me to lean into that but I, I, just, I just felt sorry for him I was trying to explain to him you, you just don't understand. I, I know you think Ten Hag is is good and he's the man to do this and you need to give him time, but you just, you don't understand what having a good manager is like. I'm like, I'm, I'm afraid to tell you that. Like, you, you, you didn't appreciate the fact that you had Alex Ferguson and then since that, you just haven't been able to realise, haven't been able to see the benefit of having somebody who's actually at the top of their game, somebody who's a really, really genuine world-class player or world-class manager and trying to explain to them, you know, Players being having a bad attitude—that's a lot to do with a manager as well. It's not yeah. just the fact that Ten Hag is setting them up incompetently; it's the fact that he can't fucking get footballers who are really talented to want to run after the ball. And I was trying to explain to him, I drifted into talking about Douglas Louise, how he's just so tuned in now, in fact that he's the best player in outside outside the, the five biggest clubs in Europe. I would say he's definitely the best player. He's mm. he's absolutely unbelievable didn't have a brilliant game last night but we might get back onto that but <laughs> just trying to explain like the the jump you can see whenever you have a genuinely world-class manager like aston villa and i have coming like honestly here here's the best example i can give you and i know villa fans and i know our inner circle don't need any more examples of, of how much emery has improved all their lives but when <laughs> when, when arsenal were linked with douglas louise under gerrard and villa were signing dundonker I thought, well, Villa need Dundonker more than they need Douglas Louise. Like, but, but that was that sounds so moronic. No, it is. But at the time, <laughs> the, the way we were playing, it seemed like Dundonker will come in handier for us. You know? And then you get a manager in who says, well, actually, why don't we just get the ball and then create chances? <laughs> and, and, now, and now you'll start to see Douglas Louise playing really well again. And that's yeah. what happened. That's what happened. Like this, this is the upgrade we're all going on. And just look at the goal. Like, let's talk about the goal. The only goal of the game. It was only a year ago we were all having 
serious conversations about Villa passing the ball around at the back. <laughs> <laughs> Are they doing it a bit too much so? And, you know, it was like, we're, we're not seeing them progress with it. They're just passing around for a second. They're going backwards. They're running out of play. Well, they're never doing that anymore. When was the last time a Villa player caught himself caught on the byline with the ball? You know, which is a very low bar, but in fairness, it hasn't happened since. And this starts with Emmy Martinez, drops the ball down at his feet, hits it out to Kamara, plays a bad pass to Pau Torres, who retrieves it at left back. And then he looks inside. So this is the thing now as well. So teams like Arsenal are looking at how they're playing. Let's, let's try and stop it. So looks inside. Martinez is blocked off. He looks forward. Kamara's blocked off. Lucadine's blocked off. But now Villa have got all their options and they don't panic because Pau Torres is there now as well. And he just floats one onto Ollie Watkins' chest. He takes it down with all the care of, of like he was holding a newborn baby. He just takes it down onto his little foot. Like you would never take a baby down on your foot. But he, <laughs> and you never hammered it 60 yards up the pitch either. <laughs> and he just, he just caresses it back to Douglas Louise. Now we're in midfield. Now Kamara's got it again. And, and it's just... It's just brilliant. He goes over to Konza, our centre-back playing right-back, who's in such a tight area. Plays it up to Bailey, lets three players come in on him, and then he rolls it. He just rolls it inside to Kamara, to Tielemans, who already knows Tielemans can already see the picture. It's fucking amazing how he just takes that ball on the turn, and he just plays it in between two defenders, knowing Bailey's gone here, because Bailey drew three of them on the sideline, played it inside, and he kept running. And he just put it in front of Bailey, and now it's Bailey and poor Gabrielle. <laughs> it's, now it's all this work that Bailey has done. It's like, well, I know he's deadly on his right foot, but he's just scored a screamer on his left foot. So what the... Oh, he's away on his right. It's too late. Declan Rice comes over thinking he's blocked him down, but nobody's blocked him down because Bailey dinks it. It's not just a pass back. He dinks it over any threat of a tackle or a block, and it goes into John McGinn and one person who will get himself time and space in a crowded area it's John McGinn and he doesn't even need to use his arse in the end but he was ready to and he just swivels and <laughs> scoops it into the, that goal is sensational by any any metric that goal is stunning and it's the one that beat Arsenal I really wanted to talk about Pau Torres last week I didn't, didn't get around to it there was a lot of other things to talk about <laughs> I, I, I was I was going to come on to the podcast last week and say I genuinely think Pau Torres is the best passer of the ball in world football it's so <laughs> it's so easy to to just say he's really good at passing passing out from the back Pau Torres is incredible at passing the ball regardless of where he is in the pitch it's mm. absolutely ridiculous the balls that he's plays the, the eye of the needle passes that he's playing throughout the pitch the variability in the passing that he's got the long balls the short balls the down the line to Dean like he can do it all it's ridiculous and he does it all with such calmness it's it, it really is incredible and I, I think he's because he's playing centre half it's underrated how actually good he is at just playing football like if, he, if he was playing those passes in midfield people would be talking about him in a different light it wouldn't just He's really good at you know progressing the ball from the background. His passing ability is preposterous, let alone the fact that he's a centre half. But in the in the lead up to that goal, it's just lovely, lovely, intricate, aggressive football as well. I would say from Kamara and Tielemans. And listen, we Tilly Toby must have been watching tapes of Iniesta on his belly for the last two months. This lad is playing <laughs> ridiculous football, and to snap that ball away so quickly, right? He knew he knew where Leon Bailey was before he received it. And my favorite part of this goal is whenever Tielemans plays that ball, he plays the ball and then is looking into the box. He's mm. not he's not checking 
for what's what's Bailey going to do? He looks into the box to see if he has created a chance. That's what that's all he cares about. He sees that it's only Watkins in the that's forward at that stage, and then he starts running again. It's like fuck, I better get in here now as well, even though yeah. I've just essentially created this goal by giving the ball to Leon Bailey on the left on the right wing. <laughs> Job done. Job done. <laughs> Bailey's feet, Conan. Jesus Christ! Oh. Like the stepovers, <laughs> they're never gratuitous. Like he's changing his body position and direction of his runs while he's stepping over the ball. I don't know how you would how you would defend against this, and he's doing it so quickly that you can't you can't possibly predict what he's doing. The, the, he's stepping over the ball while he's changing to go onto his right foot. There's no way you can get the ball because you, <laughs> normally the ball is staying still and somebody's just moving around over the top of it. So you just go and get the ball <laughs> if you're anyway competent yeah. defending. But Leon Bailey, I don't know. I don't know how he's doing it. It never looks like he's actually doing a step over. It just looks like he's stepping. It's it's incredible. The, the, I've never seen anybody dribbling with this with this technique before. And Jamie Carragher then was a pains to point out how quickly John McGinn swiveled on the ball. <laughs> Jesus Christ, was he being gener- generous there? I think John McGinn swiveled about as quickly as you'd expect someone with John McGinn's carries to swivel. <laughs> it's a good finish. But you're saying he didn't have to use his arse. He really wanted to use his arse. Yeah. He, was, he was backing into thin air there. And yeah, look, he does well. Gets the shot on target against David Ray. Give yourself a chance. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And then the big uh, other talking point from the game was the disallowed goal in the 90th minute then for Arsenal. Havertz with the handball. They looked at this for a long time, and and they they seem to be looking at one one instance of the handball. Take your, it looked like it hit his hand three times, <laughs> and they were all ignored. They ignored the first one that he he arms on to Matt Cash and it deflects <laughs> his arm off Matt Cash, comes back to him, and then the second one where I thought that he handled him, maybe he got his hand away, but it looks like he's juggling the ball this thing, and then. And then he does hit it again down to his foot. And we know the rule, and some people might not like the rule, but why, 
why are we still looking at this? That 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 was starting to piss me off a little bit, but it was probably worth it because what we got in the end was Emmy Martinez getting to deliver the new Sevilla Park. That's, that's the, <laughs> the goal was being disallowed. I don't know what what the delay is then between the ref telling the players that it's or not that the goal was disallowed. That the on field decision stands because Jared Gillett saw it. Like Jared Gillett sees everything, <laughs> but he obviously told them that that's what's happening, and then he still standing talking to his VAR team but Emmy Martin is walking away with his fists up to the crowd who all begin to celebrate before it's officially given I remember probably about a year year and a half ago two years ago we were on the podcast and you were talking about why are we all involved in this big virtual game of gotcha why is this <laughs> why are we slowing the, the game down to absolutely ridiculous levels that it's taken every element of football that we love and appreciate out of the sport like this isn't football anymore we're watching slow motion replay stills of the ball but I was so excited to be playing that game of gotcha last night because <laughs> <laughs> because it was immediately obvious as well that it was a handball. You're right. Why were they looking at that for so long? That shouldn't have even it shouldn't have been a question. George Gill has given the on field decision that it's handball. You can see immediately that Kai Havertz is essentially he looks like somebody who's walking out onto the pitch and spinning the ball between his two hands. Like he, <laughs> it was, it was just short of catching it and walking into the goals with the ball. It was absolutely ridiculous. Why did they spend so long looking at that madness? And I actually said the only other talking points in the game. I forgot about the penalty shout that Arsenal fans wanted as well. Like this was, this was actually beautiful because I know, and there'll be other times that we all complain about about VAR and about the officials. But I think when you look back at this, it was it Douglas Louise who caught Jesus? Mm-hmm. They're both trying to kick the ball. The ball's just bobbling in there and the ball's going away because Jesus has kicked the ball away, by the way. And and it's it's, it's clear that Jesus has dived. So anybody who watched, any referee, especially of all the experience they have, they should watch that and think, okay, he's caught him there. Like th- this, this would be a penalty in 2020 when they were yeah. using VAR for the first time and they were looking for anything. This is like a boy, a boy like a coming together on the pitch, and then someone feels it, and then flops to the ground a full second later. Like that, that, like that has to be held up as a good standard refereeing decision. There, we know what happened here. It's clear we've got a slow mo of the dive. Never mind the contact. So let's look at that as much as the contact. And I was very happy, obviously, but for for football sake, that wasn't given. Yeah, Gillett really is the best a man can get, isn't he? I thought that was actually a pretty close shave, though. I was, I was surprised. It was, uh... I was surprised that they didn't give it. You know, especially because it was for or would have been for Arsenal as well. Bit silly from Douglas Louise. Douglas Louise had touched on it there. He seemed a little bit off it. He seemed tired. He was doing things I haven't associated with Douglas Louise in a long, long time. Um, like you know, he's throwing his head into the air and not running back and stuff. It's like Jesus Christ! I can't believe I w- I'm saying this, but I want Douglas Louise taken off in this game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like that was that was just lazy and silly from Douglas Louise. He didn't didn't have as much perception around him as you'd want when he's standing eight yards out from his own goals. Yeah, and all that was left after another big team came and went after Arteta had to storm out of the stadium from the seats and we got the clip of it as well as the fans sung you've seen the villa now fuck off home (laughs) Arteta couldn't have given us a better music video image for it as he he storms out the door before the game is even over and you know the way the players celebrated during the goal after full time the way the crowd were everybody standing singing it was Look, I, 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 I might have touched on Rocky on all occasions, but I was thinking about Troy 
now when Achilles took, <laughs> took the best that was there to offer, the big man, everybody was afraid to fight him. Achilles arrives late, within one second, sidesteps him, sticks a knife in his neck, walks away, puts his hands out and says, Is there no one else? <laughs> and that's how I feel about Aston Villa. Is there no one else? And then little Burnmouth poked their head up and say, here we are. <laughs> a great point. A great point. <laughs> Let's take a breather. We'll come back with WhatsApp winds. I think the real beauty of this game was that it was another spectacular result. Decent performance as well for different reasons in the Man City game. But we also got a lot to complain about too. But now we can just enjoy all these complaints. We can enjoy all these fines we're about to hand out. All these whinges. All the many, many what-the-fuck moments that we're going to come back to in the award categories. But um, really was the perfect for podcast content, you must say. <laughs> Emmy Martinez started it all off with uh, just a, a ball out of play on the left. Gets the fine for that. Hits fines touch throwing for Arsenal but it's just holding the ball too long again and it's like if he doesn't pull the ball the way he did over Luka Dean's head he's getting blocked down he had to pull <laughs> that ball the way he did just I, I like the calmness I like that we're working from the back but sometimes I wonder does Emmy Martinez need to save it until a split second is left before he has to move the ball you're pro passing the ball to each other no? that's what that's what we're <laughs> the other fine being handed out of the same vintage. Why is Dundonker trying a left-footed crossfield pass? Five minutes left into the game. <laughs> and over the head of maybe Saka or somebody. Like, he's just trying to float one out to Marino and it doesn't work. It goes out for a throw-in. <laughs> I, think, I think I touched on this in a few podcasts. It was really important to ask the right questions, Conan. Like, that's always your starting point. If you're asking the wrong question to begin with, you're never going to end up with the best answer. Why is Leander Dundonker being brought onto the pitch against Arsenal? <laughs> Well, I'm going to come back to Leander Dundonker and the Vyman meeting, believe it or not. <laughs> Just you save it. Uh, John McGinn with a classic. Didn't, is it, I don't even know if this counts as one of those crosses that goes out of play. He takes Njenko down the wing, goes, goes for the byline on his right. And then he just scooped it wide on his right foot. John McGinn's right foot is not is not filling me with a lot of confidence recently. It doesn't fill him with a lot of confidence either. And I'm sure we'll come back to that in the fucking Rossenthal award. <laughs> We sure will. We sure will. And then the we used to call this a John McGinn shot. We have to call it the Mad Cash shot. <laughs> why is he appearing on the left hand side as well? And why is it Jesus Christ? Like I think John McGinn was inside him and he just decides to shit to come on, stop it. John McGinn and Ollie Watkins were both inside him. And the most telling thing about this is a little clever pass puts Ollie Watkins in there. Ollie Watkins is a free on goal against the team that he supports, apparently. And Ollie Watkins <laughs> doesn't complain after Matty Cash shoots. Why do you think that is, Conan? It's not because it was fair enough for Matty Cash to shoot. It's because Ollie Watkins is too fucking used to it and he realises it would be completely futile to complain about Matt Cash having a spank from 45 yards out because there's nothing you can do about that. There is no coaching in the world that can get that out of his game, apparently. Yeah, he's thinking Matt Cash has been dropped because Watkins has already told the teacher on him. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's not happening anymore, but if Cash does come on for whatever amount of minutes, maybe maybe I'll put up with that. The first WhatsApp winch is that Sky Sports. I don't know if you noticed in the 42nd minute, a stat flashed up. Villa, one shot. Villa, zero shots on target. <laughs> The score was 1-0 at this stage. 
What's going what? on? Check your stats. <laughs> Check the scoreline. Never mind your fucking <laughs> they stats. They literally had two stats in direct conflict with each other, contradicting each other on the, on the TV screen at one time. On the top left, it said Villa won, and then on their on their one in the middle of the screen, now it said Villa no shots on target. Yeah, but like this is probably just feeding into the narrative as well. Maybe maybe they're just so unexpected that Aston Villa might be doing well. They didn't bother checking the stats. See, that sounds right. Aston Villa having no shots against one of the clubs that we know. Perfect. Look at put that stat up. That seems that seems to be working out grand. And it, it feeds into the whole thing. I know. I know we're talking about you know Aston Villa are finally getting a little bit of recognition, but already really like if Sky Sports commentators introducing a game that doesn't even involve one of the teams that's playing, <laughs> fucking forget about it. The second WhatsApp whinge. Why did I say John McGinn hasn't used his arse for evil in such a long time? For evil? <laughs> because he used it for evil in this game. The ball in the air at the edge of the box. And John McGinn initially is doing the right thing. He's, he's arsing Zinchenko out of the way, all right. And then he just continues to arse him and lets the ball bounce down and lets Odegaard come in from the side and take the ball. And then John McGinn, who finally, finally frees Inchenko from the bounds of his arse, then, then reacts by arsing Odegaard, who's already on the ball and concedes the foul at the edge of the box. <laughs> yeah, I've talked about both before about players just being hypnotized by John McGinn's arse. They can't, they can't resist it. How could they possibly resist such a thing of beauty? But th- there was a stage... During the game where John McGinn was arson into, oh, I think it might have been Gabriel, probably Saliba actually, and the ball ends up being about ten yards between John McGinn and Saliba, who was in John McGinn's arse. So obviously they had become one person at this stage, and it just <laughs> looks so weird that I think Jared Gillett didn't couldn't understand what was going on, so he just gave a free kick to John McGinn, even though he wasn't being fouled. Oh. He's in over the top. The ball was played over the top. Yeah, the ball's played over the top. Then John McGinn decides to back it up into Saliba. And Jared yeah. Gillett just gives the free kick to John McGinn because this whole situation looks so bizarre that he couldn't possibly understand what was going on here. What was going on here was that John McGinn was returning to his former attic days and backing up into for no reason into a player. The, the game of football that was going on was irrelevant to John McGinn and his arse, which I know I'm starting to think has got a mind of its fucking own. That seemed to be in control of John McGinn's body at that stage. Why was John McGinn not going towards the ball? Why was he letting his arse lead him 10 metres away into somebody else's crotch? It was fucking mental. Third WhatsApp winch. A dick and rice free kick. <laughs> Come on, come on. This is somebody getting carried away with hero complex. Now, this is uh, somebody who's narrating too much in his own head, you know, <laughs> as if he's living his own story. Like it's... Somebody listening to you, to you too much? You bring yeah. up Declan Rice every second week in this fucking podcast. <laughs> there is, a, and like, you know, we both know how good Peter Drury is on commentary. There, is, <laughs> there really is an element of, and I can see why he's doing it, right? But it's just annoying because, like, the reason he's doing it is. Rice gets the ball, but he gets the ball at centre midfield, and it's like, here's Rice! And it's like, it's just in case, just in case this now leads to a big moment, I want to have called this big moment with with all the all the respect that it deserves, because this is Declan Rice, this is the English hero, this is this is the star boy. Isn't the boy they're calling a bargain? No. That Arsenal have <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, no matter how good Declan Rice goes on to be for Arsenal, 
he's never going to be a bargain at 105 million. He could be the best player in the world. And it's, it's, they've just bought him. It's not a bargain for 105 million. It's like me turning on, it's like me spending 10 grand on a TV and then calling it a bargain because it turns on every time I, I use it. <laughs> Doing exactly what, what I pay for. I'm like, I'm not paid for it too much. I could have got a TV for way cheaper than 10 grand. Could have got Douglas Ruiz for 15 million, for example. <laughs> Could have got Bubakar Kamara for nothing. Could have got Yuri Tielemans for nothing. Could have got John McGinn for three million. I'm actually really surprised. I'm actually taking a little bit of back. I don't really know where to take this. I mean, normally what happens in this podcast is you say Declan Rice is the best thing since sliced bread, and then I tell you that he's a cunt. So I don't, I don't know where to go with this now that you're now that you're coming in hot and he's not as good as everyone says he is. That's well, my role, wait. Conan. How's the podcast going to function now? What's next? I'm going to start talking about fucking fantasy football. Oh. No, actually, you know what? I don't even want to talk about fantasy football. How about that? <laughs> Jesus Christ! What has How happened? No, it's uh, everything. Uh, I don't I'm, think I'm not talking about it. It's, it's actually, I've, I've actually, you'd be delighted to hear this. I've made a pact to myself that I'm not even opening up the app for another week now. I'm just going to enjoy football because this is too good. What's happening with Villa, and it's in complete contrast to what's happening to my fantasy football team. So I want to. <laughs> I want to just enjoy real life for a week and, and just let it all sink in. But Declan Rice hitting a free kick. I mean, if anything is going to is going to show what loser mentality sort of flows through this Arsenal team, well, how, how, is, how is this allowed to happen? <laughs> this loser mentality flows through this team that was top of the table fucking 12 hours ago. <laughs> the last WhatsApp wins. I don't know if you noticed Martin Odegaard every time the ball went really down for know. a throw <laughs> Every time the ball went down for a throw he was waving his arms, pushing everybody forward. Let's go. Like, this is the plan. You just, is this the intelligence that they talk about with Martin Odegaard? You know, this, I, I, Arteta told me that we push over. I was just like, relax. Like, again, I, I, sometimes I feel like with Arsenal players, there's a bit too, too much showmanship trying to ah. show people online. That they're trying, that they're trying to get people going. Like Martin Odegaard kicked the ball out of play at one stage, like a lot of them did. He kicked it out of play for a throw, and it would have been a fine if I was looking at it the other way. And <laughs> and then and then he's waving everybody over, like literally, like like a rugby to like finding touch. You know, I've, <laughs> I've headed over now. All all of us get up now for the line out. And like I also just wanted to mention Martin Odegaard. I wanted to poke him a little bit because his his, his interview afterwards was a disgrace. He said. He said, I feel like they didn't create anything apart from the goal. Just... <laughs> he must have been in the stats for Sky Sports, Con. Yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of one of those, it's just the tone of it as well, one of those Denmark players every time they played Ireland. Christian Eriksen, the big one. Kasper Schmeichel. Assholes, you know, no respect for the team they're playing and the team who just beat them as well. And by the way, Villa have beaten Arsenal a lot in recent years. So I don't know why he's so surprised. And we're going to go through the Rosenthal Award in the next section. And we're going to see that Villa still did create a lot of chances. They weren't at the same levels as they were when they battered Man City. You know what but else we still... might see in the Rosenthal Award? Fucking Mar- or Odegaard's <laughs> fucking finishing. <laughs> yeah, like you're absolutely right. There is something still that you just can't trust about this Arsenal team. They still seem to carry that air of wateriness about it. Like, you know, it doesn't matter how many huddles Zinchenko gets them into. It doesn't matter how many times Odegaard tries to tell Saka it's grand for kicking the ball out of play. Bakaya Saka knows it's grand he kicked the ball out of play. You don't need to... <laughs> Odegaard giving Saka advice about how to play football. Fuck me. Saka, Saka will be all right, Martin. Don't worry about it. 
Yeah, there's there's a lot of that. There, there, you know, there's Havertz was down. They were wasting a lot of their own time. Then Trossard came on, and he was like Matt Cash won the ball. Matt Cash didn't even catch him. Won the ball cleanly, and then not only is Trossard down, and that, like we talk about all the time, why would you want to be if you're one on one with a player? Why would you want this? Why would you want him to see that he's gotten the better of you that much? But now he's wasting time. The ball's continued on playing. And then we have to stop the game eventually and go over and get Trosser treatment while there's four minutes left. So much of that Saka. Arsenal fans don't seem to understand why Saka gets a lot of abuse when he when he goes to a lot of games because he does get a bit of punishment. But he's also wasting a lot of time as well. His own team's time when they're behind. Uh, Jesus for the penalty was just a bit over the top. Havertz non-stop coming into my face. There was just <laughs> loads, loads of this going through the Arsenal team where you're looking at it thinking, ah... It, I know it's a, it's an old trope, and maybe it makes me sound old fashioned as well. But there is something about them that I just I just don't fancy them. Yeah, well, I think that's completely understandable. I mean, you said they're wasting a lot of their own time there, and you give some examples of them play acting. You know, they're wasting their own time starting Kai Havertz centre midfield as well. <laughs> okay, let's take a break. We'll come back with the award categories after this. Good evening. I wanted to speak directly to our supporters to confirm the transfer of our captain, Jack Greedlish. And now we've been gutted, organ donors for the rich, Boston's taking our kidneys, Yankees are taking our heart. And to explain the background to this move. It's an unfair game. We offered Jack a new contract to stay at the club. Like this is business as usual, it's not. We agreed to incorporate a so-called release clause into his contract. Billy, that's trouble. Billy, if I may, uh, he certainly has had his problems off the field. Jack finally decided that he would like to go to City. We're trying to solve a problem here, Billy. Not like this, you're not. You're not even looking at the problem. We have planned accordingly. We've got to think differently. It was never our intention to replace Jack with one footballer. Guys, who's still trying to replace Gian? I told you we can't do it. We can't do it. Our strategy was to analyse and break down Jack's key attributes. Now, what we might be able to do is recreate him. Recreate him in the aggregate. What? Oh, well. His creativity, his assists, his goals. That's what we're looking for. And to find these qualities and others in three forward players. Three ball players, three ball players. And in doing so, have also reduced an over-dependency on one brilliant footballer. Add that up and you get... Emiliano Buendia, Leon Bailey and Danny Ings. They truly are the future. If we try to play like the Yankees in here, we will lose to the Yankees out there. I don't know what that means. Let's get into some of these chances in the Ronnie Rosenthal Award. The first one was Bukayo Saka air shot twice in a row now. <laughs> Phil Foden, Phil Foden, and Bukayo Saka. If anything is a sign of the season has turned, Liam. It's the opposition <laughs> missing the ball. Martinelli down the line. Martinelli was good in fairness. I, th- I thought in this game in terms of setting up a lot of chances, and he, he floated one into Saka, who just missed it on his right foot, and it started with. A really weird Diego Carlos pass as well when Luca Dean was up pitch. But I know we were trying to sort of lift the ball a bit over their initial press, but oh, it just left us exposed and we, we we got turned over pretty quickly and they got a big chance pretty quickly. 
yeah, like Martinelli, Martinelli was good. I'll probably start to respect him a little bit more once he learns how to shave. That's the next progression in his <laughs> uh, in his life, I think. But the the Saka one, yeah, it was a quick switch of play. It was a good ball. It was a really good ball back in from Martinelli. Switched it back in. Dean switched off at the back post. Ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know why. I'm not sure what happened there. Like he, he wasn't even in line with the back four for the, to try and play them offside. He was far too advanced up the pitch. Like Saka was filling in his position at, the, at left back. It was bizarre from Dean, who's been so solid defensively for so long now. Odegaard pulled one wide from Ben White, got in down the byline. Saka gave it to Odegaard. And then Martinez out on Martinelli. Oh, what the fuck nomination, maybe, but there's loads of, of what the fuck nominations too. That was a ball over the top of. Uh, Konza and Martinelli getting in down the it's left. Offside. And... It was offside. You don't, don't need to talk about this in the Rossenthal award. This is just Aston Villa defending successfully 40 yards up Lovely. the pitch. Let's ignore it then. And then Martinez. <laughs> Martinez reading Odegaard like an open book. I mean, it, like, it's a great save. Jesus dropped it off lovely to Odegaard. He takes his time, doesn't he? He works it on to his left. Martinez is already down before he even shoots. And it was just a. Because of the position he was in, because of the time he had, because of the connection he got with his left foot, I've never heard a sort of celebration like that to a save. It was just because it was literally the ball's going to hit the net or it's not. Mm. And the crowd reacted like it hit the net for Villa. It was it was a great sound when Martinez saved it. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, but the, I don't think I've ever praised the goalkeeper as much as I've praised Martinez. And I've definitely haven't praised the goalkeeper as much without really talking about, you know, the saves that they make. Like, we talk a lot about Emmy Martinez's footwork and how clever he is and a shithousery of it as well. That just gives him such an advantage. Like, he's really agile. He's, he's, good at, he's good at diving, but it's his ability to read what a player's going to do. It's his ability to tell a player where to hit the ball like he did to Kuala Mwani in the World Cup final and then react to it. Like, you could see that he's just waiting. He thinks about it. Then he leans to his right because he knows, oh, Odegaard has to try to bend it into the bottom corner here. I better get down here to make sure that I can save it. Absolutely ridiculous. What a save. And the courage to wait for the shot then as well, predict what's going to happen, and then just eat it up. Yeah, eat it up like he likes to eat players up. <laughs> Watkins missed one. He got slid in on the right-hand side. He was offside, but was he? I don't know. I don't know if he was. So I think he maybe could have done a bit better than let David Raya make a save. And then faces. <laughs> He's just caught inside Diego Carlos a bit too easily as well. It was a good save from Martinez, and he wasn't too happy with Diego Carlos. And then Odegaard with another bad miss. It's another ball down the left. It's pulled across. And do you know what? I, I watched this back this morning, and obviously the whole right-hand side of the net from like beyond halfway point of the net over is, is empty because the ball's coming in from Arsenal's left-hand side. Odegaard, I don't even think he's trying to hit it at that side of the net, even though he hits it wide at that post. I think he's actually just trying to connect it with his left foot, like he always does, and you know, just with his instep. And he's just, oh, he's just caught it horribly, pulled it so far. I wouldn't even say a pull because it just seemed to hit off his foot. It was an awful, awful miss. Ah, yeah, it was dreadful. And you know, Odegaard can get people rallied up as much as he wants, but he needs to start connecting with the football whenever he's fucking twelve yards out with an empty net to aim at. I mean. <laughs> the, the, the... The fact that this lad was trying to G people up and then missing chances like that is absolutely preposterous. I don't care if you've got the captain's armband on your arm. The performative, el the performative element of being the captain of the club just looks absolutely even more ridiculous, more stark whenever you're missing sitters like that. I mean, Odegaard should have had a hat-trick yesterday. Ridiculous. Then there were three big villa chances that Odegaard doesn't want you to know about. <laughs> <And it> was... <laughs> 
the first one was Luca Dean. It was Diaby that got it across. Maybe Diaby could have shown a bit more aggression driving in there. He sort of got the ball caught under him and mm-hmm. he turned around, but he still did all right to work a chance from it. And uh, Luca Dean takes a touch. He's too slow, but we know he does that. He likes to just stop and stop the ball and then and then caress it with his left foot. But he he had a shot, but just too too slow. Narrowed his own angle as well. Then. Watkins from Diaby McGinn just lifted a lovely one pitching wage McGinn lovely one over the top for Diaby finds Watkins Watkins is laughing it's not funny and then John, <laughs> <laughs> and then John McGinn the last one I have here John McGinn break away then I mean come on you know it doesn't go on his right I know what I'm saying I don't like his right foot the left foot is just so so dependent on the left foot and he just gets blocked down in the end I mean if the dunker is happy enough to spank one of his left foot at the edge of the box after that chance. Then John McGinn can hit one of his right foot inside the box. Yeah, the, the look at Dean one. This is the thing that has been frustrating about the Abbey for the last maybe five or six weeks, where it's just like, ah, come on, Musa. We know you can move the ball quicker than that. We know you can move your own feet, your your body across the pitch quicker than that. You need to sort that out. Like, what would Leon Bailey do in this position? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, yeah, he, you're right, though. This is the thing about the Abbey. No matter how much he cocks up, he's still in such control of the ball that he's able to create a chance with it afterwards and shuffles it out to Dean. Bad touch, decent shot. I mean, yeah, he does take his time, but he gets the shot away, so I'm not going to have a go at him too much for that. Um, and then Joel McKinn. Like, like if you're going to run around the ball that much to get it on your left foot, you better be having a shot afterwards. I mean, they're wasting all the time. I feel, I feel like I was watching Joel McKinn trying to get around that ball for half the match. It was fucking ridiculous. Like, it was such a great chance. It just came out of nowhere. John McGinn's three on goal. All of a sudden, I just roll that into the net with your right foot, hit it on target, hit it directly at Ray. Do anything, <laughs> just get a shot away. Yeah, I think Martin Odegaard is the winner of the Rossenthal Award this week. So, let's do the Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. Uh, there are a lot of them, so I might have to rattle through some of them. So, like Diego Carlos, initially a ball to Douglas Louise, just soft and it's. It's very tight, and then Douglas Louise compounds it by chipping it up to Kamara's chest. <laughs> Martinelli comes in and studs up. But there was just a, like, in the early stages, there were just a few really appreciate again, you know, I'm pro passing, but just a bit. <laughs> maybe appreciate what's happening to the person that you're passing it to. Pau Torres did one where he just kept running into the middle until he eventually mm. lost it, and he did lose it. And I didn't like that. And then. Yeah, the Kanza one, like this is the big one. There's a couple more after this, but we can take a pause here. Kanza just pushed on the right hand side and he, he just he stops. And that's yeah. the one that leads to the big Odegaard chance. And it's because Kanza got a little push, but hey, hey, you're thinking, thinking Jared Gillett is going to give the free. And and then not only that, he stops and watches Arsenal piss down the pitch then as well. It is funny. A couple of weeks ago, I was watching uh, Ezra Kanza and I was thinking he's getting a lot of really soft frees because, you know, centre halves get free kicks a lot easier, especially if they're running back towards their own net. Is that going to affect them whenever Jared Gillard eventually referees an Aston Villa match again? <laughs> when he's playing right back going down the right wing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Jesus Christ, was I right? I mean, that was ridiculous from Kanza and the fact that he expected the free kick and then didn't react to it not coming as well. I mentioned Douglas Louise doing something similar as well at the top of the show where he it was actually an underhit pass to Douglas Louise and Douglas Louise put his head to the guy, the sky and then I thought they're grand now you can turn around you've had your little whinge go back and get the ball but he actually moved forward towards the Arsenal goal as Arsenal was streaming down into our own net I didn't like that 
really, really tough couple of weeks for the Villa players. I'm sure mentally exhausting. But Jesus Christ, Cons and Douglas Louise, two of our best players, two of our leaders, need to be reacting a lot better, a lot better to that. Yeah, give him the trip off to Bosnia, please. That's what that's what I suggest. It's basically <laughs> playing all the time, but. Uh, what the fuck from an Arsenal point of view, Saliba conceding that corner, such a strange pass back to David Raya. Where like he went, he, he was on the right hand side, uh, like right centre back, and he drilled it back to the far side of the post out for a corner. And this was this was good, right? Because this is the thing we went through to Ross until the war. There were only big chances were were Odegaard really. It wasn't like Arsenal completely destroyed us from that point. And the fact right that Arsenal lost that game was Martin Odegaard's fault, little prick. <laughs> Sorry, just 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 quickly on that as well. Like, what do you expect Saliba to do? Like, he has to. He, Saliba can't pass the ball back to his goalkeeper if his goalkeeper's in between his posts. He has on to target. get outside the posts. Like, he, can't, he can't risk putting it on target. <laughs> but this was one like a few times, and this is why they, they continued to hit it out of play early on as well for throw-ins. They, they're they're. Their passing lanes were caught out. They they weren't in their usual rhythm. They 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 didn't get the same control that they would normally get from the game. And it's because obviously Villa can push up and squeeze the pitch as well, and they can cut off their options. And and like it's funny, isn't it? Listening to Carragher looking at the high line at one stage and being like, it's just just he simplified it far too much. It was like just go now in behind. It's like, yeah. it's not, Obviously not. That just, it was standing offside whenever Carragher was telling him to run as well. Just, just run and then hope someone can float it right onto your path in between Pau Torres, Carlos Conza and Martinez. Yeah, and hope that the, the linesman has fallen asleep. Hope that the VAR hasn't been switched on. Like, what the fuck is he talking about? But it, 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 and, the, and, the, and the insinuation of how easy it is, like, we've just played Arsenal and City. Haaland was playing three days ago. It's not easy, Carragher, just because you're looking at all the space behind. It's, 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 this isn't luck that this is happening and, and over and over. It just shows you how strange and how quickly football progresses as well, is that Jamie Carragher was given a little piece, some stats and some videos to do analysis on Sky Sports because someone who actually understands the sport, I assume, probably the guy who was in the VAR room trying to tell uh, the <laughs> trying, to, trying to tell the VAR that you know you might want to have a look at that uh, goal because that was actually onside and we called it as offside. <laughs> probably that same lad gave the stats to Jamie Carragher saying, you know, Villa are actually really good at uh, the offside trap, and he did an analysis piece on it, and then a week and a half later, he's forgotten. Mm. He doesn't. He doesn't remember this, and he, he's kind of got in his head that, oh yeah, Villa play an offside trap. But look, it should be easy to do because they're fifty yards up the pitch. You know that we've caught people offside eighty times this season. Yeah. It's like it's this isn't by accident. But and maybe it's just because Jimmy Carragher was so uncomfortable. Imagine if Jimmy Carragher was fifty yards from his own goalpost. Christ Almighty, I think he would have a heart attack. Not just <laughs> because he's trying to run back. <laughs> not just because of the physical exertion, but just because of the panic, knowing how fucking slow he was. Yeah, so he's thinking it would be very easy as centre-backs, as, as I know them. If I'm in opposition, the ball over the top is simple. You're in, and you can actually start from behind the centre-back and get it. In, this, <laughs> in the same game, he said the same thing about Villa's, Villa getting caught out with their offside trap away from home. You know, he was initially praising, and this, like, we're seeing a lot of backhanded compliments now coming in. Um, it was like they they get caught out away from home more often, which is what happens usually with your deficiencies. <laughs> <laughs> Deficiency. This is like one of the the main strengths of Aston Villa this season. Like, this is not. This is the furthest thing from a deficiency. 
Yeah, I think I think I'm right. This the whole idea of defending like this is just completely anathema to Jamie Carragher because he was so slow, and now because he's so slow mentally as well, he can't figure out this might be a good thing. Emmy Martinez had a. I mentioned Diego Carlos's pass to Dougie Louise. He played one to Kamara as well. It was a bit tight, and then Kamara slipped as he was trying to get it. Then like the the two big ones really. One of them, nothing really came of it. Pau Torres with an overhead clearance into our own box, and this, <laughs> <laughs> this was him reacting to a David Raya pa- pass down the pitch, and Pau Torres gets there first, and then he's yeah, I don't know what he's trying to do. I assume he's just trying to clear it, but it goes into our own box, and Martinez just goes up and catches it. Says forget about the pass back rule. Like this is. This is, this is too serious but Martinez is probably the winner for the flap the flap off Ollie Watkins and it comes back off the post off Ollie Watkins' back and I don't know why he's giving out to Watkins like, what, what was he complaining about there I assume he was just a bit rattled and I think Emmy Martinez if I can criticise him very very slightly I think for these Arsenal games maybe mm. he's a bit too emotional and a bit too it, it means too much to him and there he goes up, and he knows he's made himself look like a dick. He's flapped the ball. He normally doesn't. He's hit it off somebody's back. It's hit off the post. He's gotten very lucky that it fell back into his hands. But he's started giving out to Watkins for no reason. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we have to couch this in, you know, telling people that we, we're pro Emmy Martinez. I mean... <laughs> well, hang on, pro passing. Pro <laughs> Emmy Martinez. Uh, Unai Emery in. Uh, we're Emery in, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Emmy Martinez is weird against Arsenal. I mean, like it just has to be said. It, it's it's not that he's emotional. It's the something has gone wrong there. I mean, for for a man who has made getting into other people's head fifty percent of his goalkeeping technique, yeah. I think it, because he steps so much out of his own head, there's just a big empty space in there. And the when against Arsenal, there's fucking a lot of weird shit rattling around in that big skull of his. It, <laughs> it's absolutely bizarre. the The decision to slap that ball is so weird never mind how badly he does it why is he not just catching that the only person that's anywhere near him is his own player who has left it because emmy martinez has shouted to leave it catch that ball emmy you've got the best hands in the world what the fuck are you doing the saka one where saka was offside the goal that saka scored martinez came flying off his line flying off his line he came waddling off his line like he was doing a robin olsen impression bizarre stuff he was nowhere near it. He was nowhere near Martinelli for the one that Carlos had to clear off the line that you mentioned at the top of the show. He's so, so weird against Arsenal. It's really hard to explain. Neither of us are qualified to talk about it, I think. Yeah, but we know now that Robin Olsen is brilliant as well, so we can just bring him back in for these games. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get a second brilliant game from Robin Olsen and then we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one. <laughs> I've got just one winner of the Paul Merson. That's just filthy award, and it's Pau Torres. There are just two moments that, again, you're you're right to say he's just one of the best passers, one of the best footballers, regardless of positions. But let's not forget that this boy is playing centre half, and at one stage he must have been coming back from a set piece. Somebody drilled the ball out to the right wing, mm. and his head down to Leon Bailey's foot is just incredible. Ollie Watkins side just pillowhead the way he's able to caress the ball and drop it onto Bailey's foot. It was drilled at him, and there was another one on the left wing. <laughs> this is our centre-back ball pushed down to him, and he just rolls Ben White and, and charges down and crosses the ball into the box. It's a nice cross as well. It's a it's, it's some player. Whenever I saw that header down to Leon Bailey, my initial thought was, oh, it's a shame that we don't have the centre-forward in the box now. Because I just assumed that it was Ollie Watkins. The header was so good. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait, that was Torres. Unbelievable. Swinging Andy Watkins, Bailey. <laughs> 
Let's do the Emmy Martinez is Ronaldo not hitting its shithousery award, and it has to go to Emmy Martinez, <laughs> and it's an old, it's an old classic of Emmy Martinez as he catches the ball, he goes to dive down, and geez, it couldn't have worked out any better. Where he decided to dive, Havers runs into his head. Martinez jumps up, starts a fight. Havers is stupid enough to get into that fight, and Martinez is away, wasting two minutes. <laughs> You gave him everything you asked for, you absolute moron. The only decision that was stranger than that was playing Kai Havertz, centre midfield against Aston Villa. <laughs> Speaking of strange decisions, do you like Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award? I've got two. Who's taking the free? Well, I had a feeling Leon Bailey was going to pipe up here because he is feeling good and because we do know that world class flows through his every move. Free kick. <laughs> It's a free kick, and initially I thought, yeah, look at Dean or Dougie Louise. This could be either of them, considering the position it's in. This is gorgeous. And then Bailey's there holding the ball, arguing with Luca Dean. I want that stuff nailed down. Austin McPhee's getting enough praise, getting enough money here. Come on, let, let's sort that out. Who's hitting the freeze? Where and when? <laughs> enough money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was strange. The way Leon Bailey walked away from it as well, I thought, that is too dramatic. Surely this is all a play. Leon Bailey I actually is... thought that then as well. Yeah. He's like, he's, I was just thinking, Jesus, he's a terrible actor. No one's going to fall for this. Turns out he's just actually really, really dramatic and, <laughs> and stropped away. And that was genuinely how he was expressing his emotions at that stage. Yeah. But I think Dean has has called rank a few times in these threes. And the last couple, he's just hit straight into the wall. I don't think he's scored a free kick since Unai Emery's first game. So maybe, maybe eventually somebody else will get a go at it. Thought it was strange. There was another one from the corners as well, just speaking about Austin McPhee. But we had a we had a wall on the line and Leon Bailey was taking it and we just surrounded David Ryan. I thought, that's brilliant. That's perfect. That's exactly what we should be doing. Everybody just stand. Do not put your hands behind you. Let him freak out. You do not need to engage him anymore now. You've done enough. You stood next to him. That's normally enough to make David Ryan panic. And the, the corner wasn't great. It was cleared at the front post. But all I was thinking is, Jesus, I cannot wait for Douglas Louise to have a corner in this game yeah. because he's going to score if this is what we're going to do. Just be in the same vicinity as the Arsenal goalkeeper. But if Austin McPhee is half the man I'm told he is every fucking week, <laughs> we, we had three corners against Aberdeen. We didn't score a goal. What is Austin McPhee playing at? <laughs> what was he working on for the last three days? That's champ. I should be sacked for that. Yeah. We need to continue being very demanding of Austin McPhee. <laughs> you only have a nomination I have, but I actually don't know what it is or where it's going. But I just don't like Hansa coming off. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> and he wasn't that good today. And Diego Carlos was very good. So I can understand it. It's just not fair. Though. Why is Kanza being right back? And then, like, why is Kanza having to deal with having to play right back and having to deal with Martinelli and having to get up and down the flank? And, and then he gets brought off. It's not fair what's happening to him. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a big fan of Ezra Collins as well, kind of as you know. But Jesus, he was tired. He was tired looking at half. A lot of running, a lot of tracking, a lot of just standing there, running up the pitch, after looking for a free kick as well. So maybe it was the right decision. Bit strange though in a game like that to be bringing on Maddie Cash to see it out. I mean, <laughs> you don't have to be a long time listener to the podcast or a long time Aston Villa fan to know that Maddie Cash isn't necessarily the most reliable defender in tight situations. <laughs> so I thought it was a it was a risky move. Turned out pretty well though. Yeah. Yeah, uh, all the subs were very good in fairness, and they, they were did bring a, bring a good injection of energy at the right time. We we actually, it was the, the clearest I've seen of, of wrestling back momentum in a match, and then Villa were the better team for the end, so that, that was nice, it was a really nice feeling. The John Gregory, if I had a gun, I would have shot him, quote of the week. 
the the reason John McGinn has been nominated here as well is because I was just I was just thinking of how bad an Arsenal equaliser would have been, or even before the game, how bad an Arsenal win would have been, because all we would have seen was Declan Rice with the headphones on, microphone. It's always Declan Rice getting interviewed. You think you'd think he would after nine interviews in eight games he would say ah here it's always me maybe get somebody else but he's just so willing to come forward and they all love it they all love it because it's Declan Rice but John McGinn is there and I love this one and they said to him can that week get any better and he said it could have gotten better if we had a beaten Bournemouth (laughs) (laughs) that's (laughs) absolutely incredible it was so good and they said um, it was brilliant because they they asked him what's what's Unai Emery like and the first two words he said I really like this. He said, really intense. This is the thing. <laughs> it's the thing about Emery. It's it, it, it as polite as he is, he seems like a nice fella and all that. But like there there isn't that lovey doviness with the players and him and the players aren't all coming out speaking about what a great fella he is, what a lazy I think they all just respect how much better they're all getting. <laughs> and it's just a working relationship. And McGinn said he has made it clear. So maybe a lot of them just have a lot of fear now as well, because Emery can be so direct and and, and obviously he's, he's so smart and good at what he's doing so they're going to listen but he said he's made it clear if the players don't improve he'll bring in someone else to match that ambition that he has he wants to bring this club on to the next level he's made that clear to us and he said it's really intense when you're working you're working um, but he, he's given them two days off now as well so he appreciates that see Emery, Emery's on that all just stick you can give him a carrot as well <laughs> but this is the thing Emery has made his life so easy by being an absolutely incredible manager, by setting the team up so well. Obviously, the that element of motivating the players is a huge part of it, but Unai Emery can afford, could afford to be an absolute cunt if he wanted, because once you've got the results, everyone's going to be buying into it anyway. They'll accept it. The people you want to be still involved in the club anyway will accept it. They'll be looking at it thinking... It's a bit of an arsehole, but Jesus Christ, we're third in the table, two points off top. We've just beaten the two title chasers from last year at home, 1-0. Deserve to win both games. I don't care that he thinks I'm fat, or I don't care that he tells... You know, you can do whatever he wants, but luckily, he's also not an absolute tool like some of the other yeah. top managers in the league who we could talk about, but, you know, we've been on the podcast for about an hour now, so I don't want to make it a two-hour show. <laughs> yeah, I've also just gotten news that Erling Haaland isn't playing for Man City. He's my... Captain this week, but do you think that'll be okay? You said you said while you were talking about fantasy football for about a minute and a half that you weren't going to talk about fantasy football, and then you brought it back Mm. up again. You're going to want to hear this one though, um, because you can pick a vice captain that your captain will then go to if your captain doesn't play. And you think that would be Mo Salah on my team, right? Got 13 points again. No, I I I gave it to Matoma. (laughs) Matoma came off the bench for Brighton, got one point. Uh, that's brilliant. That does make me feel good. And just as a little bit of insight to everybody else, you know, sometimes after persistent annoyance, I will eventually engage with you on fantasy football. But it normally involves me saying, "Are you not picking Mo Salah seriously for your team?" <laughs> While you're trying to create this this separate team from everybody else, like Connor, he scores thirty goals every season, and he's done as a midfielder. He shoots every time he gets the ball. What are you thinking? <laughs> Don't you worry. My team is separate from everybody else. I, I've gone. For, I've, 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 <laughs> I was 140k three weeks ago in the world, and and I'm definitely going to be probably close to two million now after this week. I'd say, but forget about news. it. We'll take that the week off. News. I don't mind talking about fantasy football whenever things are going badly. But uh, <laughs> uh, once again, though, I'm going to step into unfamiliar territory and just go back there to what you were talking about, Declan Rice, and Declan Rice being interviewed and not refusing to do the interviews. 
like maybe I should change a habit of a lifetime and just constantly praise you, tell you how amazing you are every fucking time I see you. Talk about how brilliant you are on national radio, hoping hoping that you'll hear it. And then see if you would eventually think that maybe you are great yourself. It's not Declan Rice's fault that Declan Rice agrees to do these interviews. It's not Declan Rice's fault that he might be lacking in humility. Declan Rice has spent the last five years being told he's the best thing in the world, including by you, for example. So what the fuck do you expect Declan Rice to do whenever he's asked to do an interview? He's going to say, yes, of course I'll do it. I'm the fucking hero. Yeah. The only other nomination for the John Gregory if I had gone, I would have shot him quote of the week. John McGinn did say he's banning the word title from the changing room. Then Amy Martinez got interviewed by BBC Match of the Day. <laughs> Amy Martinez was asked about the title. Amy Martinez said, of course. <laughs> <laughs> he's not he's not being banned by John McGinn he said when you beat Man City when you beat Man City and Arsenal in a week we controlled Man City like I've never seen them be controlled then suffering against Arsenal and managing to win I'm a believer mate <laughs> Emmy Martin has been talking about winning the Champions League for Villa when we were in the fucking relegation zone the, la- the lad's got ambition if nothing else got <laughs> Let's do the Lyman meter before we wrap up wrap up this fantastic week. Leon Bailey's going up, obviously, he only played 45 minutes, but he's amazing. And he also, <laughs> there was one moment where he was trying to get around to chase a ball that was going down the right, and Gabriel was blocking him off, and he just slapped him in the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should be praising this, but and he didn't even show a replay. It was just, they were streaming by the camera, and he was, you could see he was trying to get around to the other side of him. Gabriel was good defending, just checking him, really, and he just... Just threw out a hand and push him away in the back of his head. I liked it. Yeah, it was brilliant. There was one stage as well where uh, Bailey drifted back on the ball. I think he took a, bat, a heavy enough touch from the right wing and he ended up in the centre circle on the ball. And then Tielemans, because he's also a really clued in footballer, had drifted out to the right wing and then was pointing back at Bailey, telling him where to go. And I was like, no, no, stop pointing and start running back into midfield. I do not want Leon Bailey dictating play from the middle of the fucking bench. What's going on here? But then I remembered Havertz was playing there for Arsenal, so I calmed down again. <laughs> going up, Jared Gillett again, obviously. Going, <laughs> <laughs> going up, Moreno comes in. Like, And this is the thing, a lot of Lee, McGinn mentioned this in his interview as well, a lot of the players that came on hadn't had a lot of game time this year as well and they're coming into such an intense match but Moreno rescued a situation with a big tackle at one stage Pau Torres I think had sort of sold himself when Douglas Ruiz gave a ball away so again we were sort of wide open and Moreno just read it well caught it out emphatically there were a lot of those tackles where you know and this, this was sort of lining through the Man City game as well where a tackle would come in or a, an opposition player would think they got away and somebody else was following it up it's just it is relentless stuff that's going on out there. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. The the response of the players to every situation, apart from one or two moments today, whenever the players were obviously knackered. But I think one of the things that was frustrating was the, the fact that people, well, it was obviously brilliant, people weren't talking about how many injuries Aston Villa did because Aston Villa were just getting on with it and they were playing brilliant football and they were getting the results. So then nobody actually really makes the connection that they've had some massive players out injured. But Jesus Christ, Ramsey and Moreno coming back now is such a fucking good, is such well timed for Aston Villa. It's incredible that we can bring on these players into games. The fact that Leon Bailey is now a guaranteed starter, and we've got Musa Diaby sitting on the bench as well. Mm. It's just it's starting to work out. All that 
potential pain that we had at the start of the year, it makes it makes those results even better because we could have been sitting around waiting for our squad to be fleshed out again so then we could start piling in the results, start getting back to how good we are. The fact that we were managing to the fact that we managed to pick up so many points whenever our squad wasn't as fat as you'd want it to be is absolutely brilliant. There was one stage of season where Yuri Tielemans was the only sub. Yeah. We're absolutely fucking flying there. Yeah. Although I do sometimes shed a tear for Bertie T though. When, <laughs> when I want him, I want him involved in this con. <laughs> yeah. They're the stronger squad. I know what that means as well, so it is it is always gonna be very good. <laughs> The um the, the Dunker's going up, but just I'm talking about those big tackles, a couple of just sliding tackles. I don't think he did anything outstanding. He did kick one out of play, had a weird shot at one stage, but just he, he just got in a few times as well. He kept the intensity up. He didn't balls anything up. He yeah, he, he just it, it reminded me he didn't get a full game, but he was brilliant against like his last burning game was Newcastle at home, and it was like yeah, actually he can have a role to play in these games sometimes. So that was good to. To just have him as a fixture in my head again because it's sort of written him off. Ah, oh, yeah, it's sort of written him off. Jesus Christ, that's the understatement of the year. If we'd both completely written him off, but I think <laughs> whenever you're writing these players off, I think it's 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 it would be cleverer of us if we took the emotion out of it and just remembered that Unai Emery is their manager. We took a step back and think maybe they're not a complete lost cause. Maybe they're not absolutely useless. Maybe if Unai Emery works with them for the next couple of months then Leander Dendonker get back to being a player who starts for the number one national team in the world, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's not a complete Muppet. Maybe there was something else. I missed at Aston Villa whenever he was shot. <laughs> it's funny. I genuinely did have this thought, though, about a week ago where I was thinking, Jesus, I wonder, though, because Bertie T only got brought back in January. <laughs> so he's had he's had less time to work with Unai Emery. He didn't have that World Cup period. Like maybe he will come good in a few months now with just an extended period under Emery. Like, what will Emery be cooking with Bertie T? Imagine, it might be cooking cheeseburgers. That's what he'll be cooking. <laughs> I don't know why you'd be why you'd be uh, so concerned about Bertrand Troy. I think you're right. Like Bertrand Troy has got nothing but talent. Like him and Leon Bailey, their ability on the ball, their ability to throw the, their foot over the top of the ball. The, Bertrand Trory's goal where he just rolls it into the bottom corner is one of the best things I've seen in a football pitch like Bertrand Trory is an immensely talented footballer I wouldn't be writing him off at all yeah. he's been unlucky to not be involved with Emery from the start he's had some awkward injuries but then Emery didn't bring Bertrand Trory back for no fucking reason he brought him back because he knows how talented he is and because he trusts himself to turn him into an actual footballer which would be a massive benefit to Bertrand Trory's career if you remember what the sport was Liam, I'm getting goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine this was a radio segment and somebody only tuned in now. You know, they're talking, <laughs> talking about the Phil Arsenal game. <laughs> We're chatting on about Bertrand Trory the last five minutes. Uh, Diego Carlos is going up. I mean, he was very good today. A lot of good things. In the 94th minute, while they were looking at the VAR check, it was still going on for four minutes. Carlos was just leaning against the post just sitting back on it he looks it just looks so cool so relaxed it just makes me feel fine makes me <laughs> feel like everything's going to be okay and you know obviously he took his top off afterwards as well so that was great but and then go, going down actually the the sky sports team or whoever it was that made him put his top back on for a picture with his man in the match trophy didn't appreciate that <laughs> would have been a lot more iconic if he was standing there with his little yellow aftershave looking bottle uh, topless, yeah. <laughs> Diaby's going up. Could have had two assists. He got 45 minutes today. 
could have two assists. Players missed the chances. I don't know. Good. I want. I want to just uh, give him a bit of positive encouragement. Though I feel like I was giving him a lot of stick. You know, in terms of carrot and stick, I was beating him all season. I mean, and you've I also give a bit of carrot. You've also said he reminds you of Lionel Messi. I've said that as well. So I <laughs> yeah, you said that. Yeah. We've probably given him given him enough carrot to be all right. Douglas Ruiz going down because he got suspended, and I can't accept that from Douglas Ruiz. <laughs> Anybody else in particular that you want to highlight? I want to say going up, uh, Solanke and Billing, two more goals for them at Old Trafford as well. I told, uh-huh. you, I told, you, I told you these boys were dead. Oh, oh, sorry, the smoking gun for these lads actually being good is them scoring three goals against that fucking shambolic team and that shambolic centre-half pairing that they've got. Yeah. Anybody else like Telemans, Torres? A lot of them are going up, all going up again. Maybe maybe Cons is going down, but um, anybody in particular that you want to talk about? I know the whole team's going up. Villa Park's going up. Unai Emery's going up. Aston Villa are going up the table. (laughs) Perfect. Let's just leave it at that. Enjoy your week, folks. That was absolutely brilliant. What a two days it was. Share on the podcast if you get a chance. Go back and listen to the Man City podcast if you didn't. But until Thursday. Until next week, we will see you later. All the best. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.